0: This episode of World Changing Ideas is brought to you by Verizon, the network America relies on. We have to look at the product and ask the question, is this look still going to be relevant? Are we still going to like and feel comfortable with this silhouette 10 years from now, 20 years from now? If the answer is, I don't know, we shouldn't do it.
1: I'm Talib Vizram and this is World Changing Ideas, where we investigate how leading innovators are solving our most challenging issues. This is the third and final installment of our sustainability series. On today's episode, Reinventing Footwear. We know greenhouse gas emissions come from transportation and food waste. But one carbon contributor that doesn't always get a lot of airtime is the retail industry. Fashion accounts for nearly 10% of carbon emissions and 85% of discarded clothes end up in landfills. That becomes nearly 12 million tons every year.
2: We are living in the first era in history that has created products
1: designed to be waste. That's Kristen Kinder, who heads up research at a waste equipment manufacturing company. In recent years, the concept of circularity has become more popular, but changing from a linear system to a closed loop system can be complicated. Kinder has helped develop recycling initiatives at schools and apartment complexes, as well as waste programs for Fortune 500 companies.
2: Businesses around the world create almost as much waste as they do product. That small sip of water or your single online order may not seem like much, but collectively, we are burning through our natural resources at alarming rates only to
1: create stuff we want to throw away. Kinda said this isn't about being granola or even about saving Mother Earth. It's about being smart with the limited resources we have. She said the creativity in a circular economy is endless and it can become part of our everyday life when we support businesses that are making that more possible.
0: We see it as an important long-term investment for us. It's a bit hard to rationalize that cost. We do it because we think it's the right thing to do and because we believe there's going to be no business done on a dead planet. So we better do the best we can.
1: Eileen Fisher is the founder of her eponymous brand and a pioneer in conscious clothing. Her company created a buyback program that collects about four to 6,000 worn pieces a week. She said the work is rewarding, but it can also be daunting.
0: Yeah, some days I try not to get depressed. Some days I say, oh, my God, it feels like we're moving deck chairs on the Titanic. just like. How many more years do we have, 12, before catastrophe strikes us? We're only a drop in the bucket, and we're trying to role model.
1: Eileen's company is participating in what's known as a circular economy. This means no waste is generated. Everything is shared, repaired, reused, or recycled. And it's projected to be worth about $4.5 trillion by 2030. More retail companies like Eileen Fisher are incorporating these values into their business models. Brands like Adidas, Everlane and Allbirds. Shoe manufacturing usually requires an obscene amount of water and energy. And the finished product has a relatively short lifespan. One way to avoid that is to use recycled plastics and renewable resources. Kind of like what my guest today did. Karayuma is a Brazilian company founded in 2018 by David Python and Fernando Porto. They wanted to blend comfort, style, and sustainability all in one sneaker. After launching one of their earlier shoe lines, there was a wait list in the thousands, and celebrities like John Hamm and fashion models like Nina Agdal and Lucas Sabat were seen sporting them. They were also a finalist last year in our world-changing ideas consumer product section. Well, thank you so much both for being here.
2: Absolutely, our pleasure. Thanks for inviting us. Yes, thank you. An honor.
1: Awesome. Well, let's talk about the very beginning. So, tell us how karyuma came to be. Uh, I heard that it started o- on a snowboarding trip.
0: Yes, precisely. So I would say, like the first memory we can we record is is definitely the snowboarding trip. We went to Chile with the families. I was actually seeing a an engineer like David with the background that I knew about him coming. I don't know, hundred kilometers per hour down a a hill and. It was almost like okay, so this is a guy that's supposed to be my partner, right? <laughs> but it's where we really decided to join forces and start karioma and it was something that was very important for us because we knew that we wanted to be partners, even though we didn't know exactly what was going to be. Hmm. There's a, a sentence we use a lot in the company that we always start with with who. Before a little before that, right? We came from a common pain. I would say of leaving our executive positions in a large corporation where we felt like was kind of a toxic culture, and also we're not really proud of the practices of that place. Right, so we felt like, okay, we really wanted to work in a better place, in a better company. And at some point, we we felt like, okay, maybe we're going to have to build it. Right. We come from the industry, right? Uh, I'm in this in fashion and footwear for over 20 years now. David, almost 15, and we realized that the cool classic sneaker category would make sense for us to start, right? We would start from there for many reasons, but at that time, and I think still today, consumers were made to choose between style or comfort and mainly from Mm -hmm. big corporations that in our point of view, didn't really care about the practices or things like that. So in a way, we felt like we could be that first ever like cool classic sneaker brand that will be very comfortable and consciously made. And this tripod of style, comfort, and sustainability should be our main positioning and what would enable us to steal market share from the big guys and, and get in the market with a strong position.
1: Well, let's talk a, a little bit about the shoe and, and particularly the EB shoe, which we featured before in Fast Company. Why is that your signature shoe?
2: me. I think the EB is a signature shoe for sure because it really represents what Kariuma is about. Because we are all about products that are good looking, that are super comfy, and that are consciously made. So we don't make our customers choose or trade off between any of those. And we are constantly improving. And that generated the lowest carbon footprint sneaker ever launched. So right now, the times that we're living, for us, it had a tremendous a meaning because in, in 2020. 20, what we're living with COVID and et cetera, we're all getting more in touch with the stuff that we have, the meaning that the products we consume, the brands that we join, that they have to us. In a very mundane way, we're getting in touch with more with the trash that we generate and really revamp what a sneaker can bring and achieving such an important milestone. For us, it was a tremendous milestone for the brand. And really incorporated what Fernando mentioned, that initial impulse from a snowboarding trip of building a better company for the people and for the planet,
1: obviously, part of the sustainable aspect is is the materials that you build the shoe from, right? So your shoes include bamboo and sugarcane and cork, and uh, you know a, a lot of materials you wouldn't expect to find in a shoe. Can you talk a little bit about you know generally where you uh, source these materials from?
0: in design school in Rio, there was an actual design laboratory for researching bamboo. I actually took that class when I was 17 years old. And I learned back then that bamboo was considered a super material. What that means is the only material in the world that is very strong and resistant, really light and flexible. So usually you're not going to find those three properties in the same material. You may find something that is light and flexible. You may find something that is strong and light, but you're never going to find something that's light, strong, and flexible. So by based on those properties and trying to see how can we replace, for example, cotton fiber by bamboo fiber is where we get that, right? But for us, it's not only that, like we really try to get always to the tier three supplier, right? Which will be the farm where the raw materials come from. If in any case, we may not be able to get there, of course, we're going to work together with uh, very reliable certifications. So I would say, It's a mix between understanding the transformation of material so we can replace at some stage, but also Mm -hmm. make sure we track the origin and the whole process from the farm all the way to the tier one manufacturer.
1: And, And the materials that you do use that are more traditional, so, you know, leathers and plastics, you know, so that leathers are ethically sourced and the plastics are recycled. Is that right?
0: The way we try to build our materials pipeline and materials uh, library, you'll be either through natural premium materials or recycled materials. So, bio based, natural premium, or recycled. And this will be for the products, but also for pretty much everything else, right? A packaging and the shoelaces. Then we change the labels and the threads of the products, all to recycled material, also, and the packaging. All of these products are going to be global recycled standard certified make sure we can also track all the process
1: i'm really intrigued as to what the kind of lab process is like you know walking in and thinking you know i'm gonna make an insole out of cork and, and a sole out of sugarcane i mean it must take a lot of work a lot of iterations in, in getting it perfect right can you talk about the process a little bit
0: yeah so first of all of course we need to find the right industrial partner you can never get to an material innovation if you don't have serious equipped and strong industrial partner that wants to get there, right? You start from there, right? That's a Mm -hmm. big challenge. And the way to get there and make sure the product is light, because performance really matters, we did like uh, 25 iterations, and we only stopped when the vulcanization process of the rubber got to a point that the rubber was not cooking anymore. (laughs) And then I was talking to the guy in the factory, he's like, oh... This composition didn't cook. And I said, great, go back one. And that's the approved one. <laughs> because right. to get there, you really have to stretch the limits to make sure you get to the final result that we want. So if you look at the, our composition of rubber, of all the Oka shoes and Katiba shoes and stuff, you're going to see that mm-hmm. it's not only the purest possible, but it's also the lightest possible. Yeah, It's try and error, try and error, try and error. Yeah.
2: At least for us. I-, in tell- I think it tells a lot on how we think and how we work. We have no fixed date to launch any product. Mm. This is really a different mindset that speaks to how we work in a day-to-day. Because our goal is to launch a product when we don't have customers trade off anything.
0: This episode of World Changing Ideas is brought to you by Verizon, the network you can rely on for your phone and for your home internet. Find the plan that's right for you at Verizon.com.
1: Yeah, one of the things that uh, struck me when reading uh, a lot of reviews of your shoes was, uh, you know, people talk about how comfortable your shoes are. Like you said that, you know, you're not trading off comfort. Is that hard to achieve with the materials you're using or does it kind of fit naturally with the materials?
2: Talib, I think it certainly plays to the experience we have in the industry, to the materials we source But I would say the most important thing is our obsession to listen to customers. Let me give you a few uh, examples. One out of 10 customers receive an email from my personal inbox, and I dedicate two to three hours every day to get back to them. And my simple question is, what do you think about us? Why did you join us? What got most of your attention? How's the experience? You know, people tell me stories on what what attracted them to us. And of course, that leads to conversations about the product or improvements or ideas. And those are the small tweaks that make our best sellers be already on the seventh iteration since we launched. So that would be what I think is most unique about how we run business, how we treat our products, because we are just obsessed in listening to feedback
1: let's talk a little bit about the design of the shoe how would you describe the style of your shoes
2: we're talking about classic
0: sneakers that's the type of design that we aim for we sometimes actually work backwards in terms of an innovative material or innovative technique or technology that we put in the shoe and we work towards making it look less futuristic make it look more vintage more classic and for us is really about building a timeless silhouette because we work in a fast fashion industry before, right? Uh, That had like a 50,000 new models launched per year, like a crazy frenzy of zero purpose in anything, pretty much. That's related to what I mentioned to you about not feeling proud of it. The most sustainable thing you can do when it comes to fashion is to make sure the product is durable in terms of quality and and, in time that you can wear and stuff, but also that you are not promoting in terms of silhouette, something that is a short-term fashion trend or the way we call it internally, fashion sparks that are not even trends, right? It's just something that right. happens right now and today is hot and tomorrow is not, right? right? But we have an ethos in the design of the company here. We have to look at the product and ask the question, is this look is still going to be relevant? Are we still going to like and feel comfortable with this silhouette 10 years from now, 20 years from now? If the answer is, I don't know, we shouldn't do it. And an expression we use a lot internally, every single decision we make in the company should be towards making the company, building a company that is friends with time,
1: yeah, I mean, and and on that note, you've just launched a slip-on shoe, which is kind of a, another classic. That's been a couple of years in the make, and how, how does it feel to get that on the market?
0: That's, uh, I would say, is a big achievement, the way we see it. it's uh, It started with the EB that you mentioned before, right? Yeah. Because a lot of the innovation in terms of, of material and process started there, from building the bamboo knit to the way to assemble it, but we got to a point where we realize that we really could simplify more.
2: If you consider that our mission is to spread positivity while reshaping our industry through the best sustainable products and recovering the environment, less than three years old as a company, being able to achieve the lowest carbon footprint you ever made at 5.48 kg per pair. It's really something to make us proud of it also helped us understand that there's no finish line. And we saw that we could simplify. And we have achieved that milestone and we are ready to beat it. It's not a number for us to put on the wall. It's actually a number for us to go and beat again. And that speaks a lot to our mission.
1: Can you talk a little bit about the partnership with Native Energy to help um, conservation in the Amazon rainforest? Absolutely.
2: Absolutely reshaping our industry through the best sustainable products while recovering our environment. So what we started with Native Energy is true to our mission. As a new company, we're also always trying to improve and amplify our our impact. So the work together with them really inspired us to be even bolder and be protagonists ourselves in creating our own reforestation project in the rainforest. We are beyond reforestation. We are doing ecological restoration. The process that we go, it's beyond planting trees, is to rebuild native forests and attracting not only and build a forest back, but attracting the fauna back to those pockets of forests that are barely left. So it was tremendously important and inspired us to dream higher.
1: Let's talk a little bit about future goals. You've talked about a priority being to make a majority of your products 100% vegan. What does it mean when we say a product is vegan, you know, versus sustainable? or uh,
0: Vegan would be like there's no component at anything that comes from animal source. No matter what, like you uh, can have anything, even the glue or anything based on that, right? So right. I would say interesting enough, like we had a goal to get to the end of this year, with 50% of the products sold being vegan, we actually already achieved that last year. Mm -hmm. So the the vast majority of the shoes we sell are already 100% vegan. I think that's a very important thing that we're trying to get, but we cannot compromise. Mm -hmm. There are still few things related to performance that there's no vegan material that can achieve. That's why we're not 100%. But the one thing we do to get there, we test everything. Every single material you see out there, or there was an article about a, a new material made from that fruit or the other one or from mushroom or from any other possible source, we make sure we get a sample and we make a shoe out of that and we put it to test.
1: You're obviously not the only company that's making shoes from some of these sustainable materials. You know, I've covered companies like On twisted x there are a handful do you see yourselves as competitors of these other companies or are you kind of all in this together and making the industry more sustainable
2: yeah we completely see that we're in this together especially when we see what's ahead a few years from now we're in this to become a household name and not seen as competitors or people that are part of the same movement and even to inspire new fashion entrepreneurs. Me and Fernando, we're personally mentors of other fashion entrepreneurs with the same purpose that we have. That's how we dedicate part of our personal time. And those are people that have inspired us as well. Take the own running guys. We completely admire them. I had the pleasure to visit them in Zurich and we are big, big fans.
1: And how can you convince the industry as a whole to become more circular? And do you really need the big guns to play, you know, the Nikes and the Adidas to play a role?
2: Growth for us is not a goal, it's proof. It's proof of where customer attention is. By launching the world's lowest carbon footprint uh, sneaker ever made and seeing our About Us page having a... Tremendous boost in traffic on the same week. For us, that's proof that it's not just about the silhouette. It's not just about the comfort. It's by people wanting to join a better brand, a better company with better values that they associate themselves with. So as Fernando mentioned, we said, oh, maybe we should start a company this way that we feel good about it and that we're proud of.
1: Do you feel like you need the buy-in of some of the big sneaker brands in order for the entire industry to become more more sustainable?
0: If they cared, definitely would be faster. That's for sure. There's no doubt, right? The day Nike says like, oh, all the plastic I use is going to be recycled. They will solve a lot of problems. A lot of problems, right? If this becomes like a specification or something. So of course, the buying power and the volume changes everything fast. There's a sentence I heard someone saying, the villains are not going to become the heroes. In a way, the practices that the big guys were doing for the last decades is what inspired the customers to look for something different. Mm. So I don't see them taking a stance or putting themselves in a position to change the industry, unfortunately, because they could speed up a lot of the process. But if it, this is not the case, there's a big opportunity for the new guys to steal market share
2: from to grow, to get to the bottom, as David was mentioned to you, mm-hmm. without them. And when we're talking about the gigantic brands out there, inspire them to change. Yes, but not in 2050, you know, that's our stake as well. What are you doing now? And it's not just about the environment. It's about the business partners you have. A very interesting conversation I'm having is with many skate shop owners, how they feel that they're being served in that community of one, two door mom and pop that play an enormous role in the community of skateboarding. They provide a wonderful service. Every skater knows which skate shop they they went and bought their gear and how that person influenced their practice of the sport or the gear they chose. And we are really putting our brains to work here to make them serve better. But they have a big pain. It's not only on the environment. It's how to relate with all the people that have future brand.
1: You, you talked about earlier how you don't need to sacrifice comfort or or style. What about profit? I mean, are manufacturing costs very high to make shoes like that? And do you think that's part of what's stopping the big brands?
0: It's really about caring. I think when you get to the big, big guys, they are already structured in a way that changing will have an impact in their quarterly results or whatever that people are looking for that they have to put it out. And there are some pressure and stuff because they came from creating a problem that if they try to solve, it's going to have a problem for them on the bottom line
2: problem. Yeah. And there's a very interesting thing that we discuss a lot as well. The way we approach how to build a sustainable brand is that we can absorb the higher costs that we have because we don't discount. And it's not that we don't discount because we play hardball with anyone. It's not. But it's because how we think of launching products or working with retailers, it's not to obey to a crazy calendar based on anticipation and constant newness, constant product push being pushed out there to the market that you enter a shop in July and the summer products aren't on sale because they learn so early and in such a high quantity that they have to move the product so they lower the prices. So our way of achieving profitability involves absorbing higher costs, but being able to manage that by selling at full price.
1: That's the work that we see as brand builders. And in terms of consumers, do you think the world's ready for a circular system?
0: Consumers, I would say in a general rather way, probably not. Not because they don't want to, but because of the structure, infrastructure necessary to build a whole circular system. Of course, it started with design, right? Uh, you can only get to circularity by design. Mm-hmm. But even though you can, as a company, build this system for yourself, Economically, most of the times are not gonna be viable yet if the big guys help to build that infrastructure or not. And if they don't, the smaller guys have to get bigger to get to a certain scale where that scale make the circular process viable economically, which in our mind is still a little far away from being feasible.
1: And finally, guys, what's next for Karayuma? I think
2: what's next, uh, our aspiration, is to really build a global brand, a household name that represents a choice of a better product, of a better company that is true to its values and incorporates a mission as ours to break through the industry and put out there the best sustainable products while recovering the environment a reality. That in the short term represents becoming a B Corporation in the coming months. That in the short term represents beating our own record as the world's lowest carbon footprint sneaker ever created. And that represents working with thousands of skate shops or boutiques around the world in a very different way, helping the community to prosper, not only us as a brand, but everyone that plays a role in this
1: well lots to think about here uh david and and fernando thank you so much for coming on the show we we loved having you
0: thank you very much talib we're huge fans of fast company and it's just an honor to be invited to be part
2: of the show
1: thanks talib one thing of note is how they've really disrupted the way that the shoe industry has worked for so long. The big brands used to worry about or still worry about, you know, launch dates and the latest trends. And Carium is not worried about that. They want to get the product right. They want to follow customer advice and recommendations. You know, they talked about the veganism of their shoes and the slip-on shoes, for example, as being customer kind of recommended. and And that's what they're driven by rather than you know, trends and dates. And the other thing about the big brands is that David and uh, Fernando said that if if they're not going to change, then Kariuma and like minded companies will do it themselves. They will grow the volume and they will overtake that market share, just as, you know, millennials and, and Gen Z, are, you know, really care about the planet and, and want to change the way things are done. You know, and, and Karayuma want to beat their own carbon footprint numbers so they're essentially competing with themselves that's it for our show today join us next time to learn more about the innovative leaders seeking to make a difference in our ever-changing world please give us a rating or review on itunes spotify or wherever you get your podcasts i'm talib vizram our show is produced and edited by avery miles